0: healthy from the inside out. This is Valley Well, Valle Salud, a health and wellness information program brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. Each week, we go in-depth with different healthcare experts on some of your top health questions, getting answers to help you live your best life. Hello and welcome to Valley Well Valle Saloon. I'm your host, Lauren Vargas. Today we're answering many of your most pressing questions about coronavirus or COVID-19. I'm joined by Dr. Michael White. He's the Chief Medical Officer of ValleyWise Health. Thank you for being here today.
1: You're very welcome.
0: So uh, I know you've been working nonstop to make sure this health system is prepared for all aspects of COVID-19. What can you tell us about ValleyWise Health's efforts so far?
1: Certainly, we are now seeing community spread of the novel coronavirus or COVID-19 uh, within the Arizona state of Arizona and within the Phoenix community. We at Valleywise Health have been working since the first cases were identified in January. Uh, remember, we in Arizona had one of the early cases uh, with one of the students down in Tempe that had traveled to China and then come back. Since been cleared from that, but once we knew the virus would be coming to the United States, we began preparations here within ValleyWise Health. We began to understand what our capacity would be if we start to see a large influx of patients. We started talking very early on about the things that we need to do within the community to reduce the risk of transmission of respiratory viruses. Those are even more important now that we're starting to see increasing numbers in the United States, such as washing our hands, you know, cleaning frequently touched surfaces within the house. But now that we're seeing this community spread, it's even more important for us to really distance ourselves if we are ill or have been in contact with those who are ill. Whereas we learn more and more about this novel novel coronavirus, we are seeing that, you know, people can be asymptomatic, but yet still give the virus to other people. Um, for that. So this phenomenon of social distancing, staying six feet away from close contacts, staying home if you are ill, becomes of paramount importance if we are going to decrease the spread of this within our community.
0: So people are being told to stay in their homes, bars are closing, restaurants are closing, Is that all necessary?
1: It is, at this point, since we are seeing this community spread, we want to decrease the ability for us to have a large surge of patients all at once. If we continue to have our daily interaction, this virus spreads very easily by droplets, i.e. when you cough, when you sneeze, those little particles will attach to surfaces and then I come along and I open the door, I touch the counter, I pick up the pen after you, then I touch my face and then I've given myself the virus. So therefore, if we distance ourselves, we social distance ourselves from one another, we decrease the ability to transmit those droplets to other individuals and then decrease the risk of transmitting this virus more widely than we have so far.
0: I know a lot of changes are, have already taken place here at ValleyWise Health Medical Center. Can we talk about some of those new restrictions for visitors and employees?
1: Certainly, we've been accelerating you know, our changes here. And we've done it very measured and very structured because we did not want to disrupt the healing processes, the patients, but our first and utmost responsibility is to protect our patients and the caregivers that are going to take take care of your loved one when they are ill. So as this virus has spread, and we're seeing more and more cases, that causes us to further restrict those that we are going to allow into ValleyWise Health facilities, because I don't want the risk of somebody that may be one of those asymptomatic carriers. they feel well, they don't have a fever, they don't have a cough, but yet they may still have the virus, which is possible, bringing that into the hospital, possibly infecting a patient that already been ill, or even infecting one of our caregivers uh, from that, that then causes them to be able to transmit this. So re- reducing that risk by limiting the people that come into the facility is important to us.
0: So let's take a step back and go back to basics a little bit. Uh, what can you tell us in you know, normal, non-medical terms, what is the coronavirus and where did it come from?
1: So coronaviruses are a large family of viruses that exist in nature. You know, there, 10 to 20 percent of coal, common cold viruses live in this same family of virus. What is new and different about this and why we called it the novel coronavirus or new coronavirus, it's a virus that has we have not seen in humans before it was first discovered in China in two in December of 2019, when the first cases to start to be reported. That's part of the reason that we're seeing such a wide spread and it's spreading all over the world in this pandemic, is since it's a virus that the human race has never been exposed to nobody has that innate immunity, that response that your body builds up to fight that cold or fight that infection. You know, nobody has built up those antibodies previously. That's why we're seeing such a great amount of illness.
0: So for those of you just tuning in, we are speaking with Chief Medical Officer uh, from Valleywise Health, Dr. Michael White, about the coronavirus. And do you think some of that unknown is the reason for all the fear?
1: I do. I think that this is, we're in uncertain times. And I think that a bit of uncertainty as we continue to learn more and more about this virus, more and more about how we have to care for individuals that are, you know, suffering from the infection from this virus, it's that degree of uncertainty that makes people uncomfortable, which is why we as healthcare professionals and we as, you know, working in tandem with our public health departments really are stressing the fact it's important for us to heed those recommendations to do our best to decrease the spread of this virus so we can minimize the impact in the illness that it's going to have within our community.
0: Is it hard for people to tell which symptoms are aligning with a cold or a flu or is it coronavirus? Because, it, you know, a lot of them seem similar. Cough, sneezing, fever.
1: And they are. And that's one of the big challenges that we have as healthcare professionals is being able to distinguish what is the what is the cause uh, of these type symptoms? Because you're right, it is the cough. It is the shortness of breath. It is the fever, and many things cause those, which is why when you come to and talk with your healthcare professional, if you're talking to them on the phone, you know, explaining your symptoms, they're asking you questions about that to kind of help us decide. And then as we begin, if we feel that we need to test, we start to test for some of the more common conditions first to make sure this isn't the simple uh, influenza or this isn't a simple other virus that may be a cold before we jump right to testing for the novel coronavirus. One of our biggest challenges within the state of Arizona and within our community is the lack to have testing available. We still don't have widespread testing where we can do testing of each and every person because they request it. We still have to test those that we have a very high suspicion that their illness is related to COVID-19 it helps us then you know make sure that we're treating them in special areas the hospital to reduce that risk of transmission you know to other people and then be able to provide that best supportive care
0: well that was my my next question is a lot of people are wondering why can't i get tested i want to get tested and so supplies are seem to be limited right now
1: correct to, Currently today, our supplies are uh, are limited to be able to do the, the swab, and we do what we call a nasopharyngeal swab, which is a swab that goes into the back of the nose, to be able to take a sample to send to the lab. Those test kits are in slow supply, as well as the machines and the reagents used to do the test are also in low supply. You know, we've seen announcements from the Centers of Disease Control in Washington and the federal government trying to ramp up our ability to have access to those testing kits and some of those testing media that we need to perform the test. As we start to get more and more of those, we'll be able to expand and test more widely.
0: So there's a lot of rumors circulating Um, about the coronavirus. I've seen lots of things online. So we're wondering if you'll humor us if we can um, read out some of these um, things that are being shared online and get your reaction to them. Certainly. So we've got 10 fact versus fiction um, topics. The first one is that warmer weather will make the virus go away.
1: Likely fiction we don't know if how seasonality will affect this virus it's unlikely that warmer weather is actually going to decrease this virus
0: i think that comes from um, flu season maybe Correct. and the colder weather and, yes. and- I've also seen that it's so new that we don't really know the whole cycle of it
1: we don't but as as it seems to be transmitted we're seeing it in both the northern and the southern hemisphere of the world currently that's, a good that's point. the likelihood that this is going to have a seasonality like the flu is unlikely
0: okay myth number two certain blood types are more susceptible to getting this
1: we haven't seen that and that has not been borne out as we studied this virus up to this point As we learn more and more about that, that may change. But currently, it appears that everyone is equally susceptible to this virus from the blood type perspective.
0: Okay. So I want to introduce um, our audio producer for this show, Chencho Flores. And he had some of these questions as well that he's been seeing online. I'm going to let him ask the next few.
2: I have a couple that are my favorites because I've seen them a lot on social media and they kind of drive me nuts. Um, If you hold your breath... If you can hold your breath for up to 10 seconds, you don't have the coronavirus.
1: Unlike uh, that. Also fiction, you know, there are many people that will have mild forms of the coronavirus that may be infected with the coronavirus, but don't have the full blown symptoms that we're reading about and seeing in the media where people are sick enough to be hospitalized or sick enough to need to be placed on the ventilator or a breathing machine. The majority of people that are be infected with a coronavirus will have very mild symptoms, feeling fatigued with a little bit of that cough, with a little bit of that fever, even with those most people could still hold their breath for right. 10 seconds and very much a non, very much a fiction.
0: I wonder if that comes from the desperation of not being able to get tested. They're, they're desperate to, to have a self-assessment or something to tell them whether they've got this or not.
2: I don't know.
1: It, I, <laughs> most likely. Yeah. It, it is, it's an easy something that people may attribute to that. But You're absolutely no, correct.
0: no truth to that.
1: This is another one of my favorite ones.
2: Um, and it, it's a couple of different things. One, a drinking water, a lot of water will help push the virus down into your stomach and the stomach acids will kill it.
1: Also fiction. You know, the way that this virus will enter and most likely infect you is getting in through one of those mucosal membranes. So in either through your nose, through your eyes, you know, either the fluid part of your eyes or just the inside of the mouth, it'll quickly absorb. You can drink all of the fluid that you want to try to flush it down through the stomach. It's going to, yeah. for a lack of a better word, stick inside your mouth and get to where it needs to go if it wants to get there. Because in this
2: leads to the, to the other one. Well, it's part of the same one a lot of things i've seen say that the virus lives in your throat so either drink a lot of water flush it down or gargle with salt water or vinegar
1: yeah. to kill it Sa- same type of, of principles apply same principle applies majority of these will go in through a different route you know not through the mouth most likely in through the the nose or through the eyes so therefore it is unlikely that gargling any liquid is going to affect the ability to uh, you to get this virus.
0: So I know um, health officials are recommending if you do feel sick to, to contact your healthcare provider um, ahead of time. Don't just show up, um, and they can talk to you about next steps. If you don't have a doctor that you absolutely love, uh, you can make an appointment with a Valleywise Health physician or um, other provider by visiting valleywisehealth.org and clicking the book appointment button, um, or you can call us Monday through Friday from 7:30 a.m. to 5 p.m. at one eight. 833-855-9973. That's 833-855-9973. We are currently talking with Chief Medical Officer Dr. Michael White about the coronavirus. Um, Fact versus fiction. So we've gone through a few of these. Um, Let's see. Number five, hand sanitizers are actually better than soap and water for reducing the risk of infection.
1: Soap and water is actually very effective and probably more effective than the hand sanitizers. So washing your hands with soap and water for 20 seconds is actually the most effective way to clean it and reduce the risk of transmission. Viruses themselves, not just the coronavirus, but all viruses are usually encased in a capsule and that scrubbing motion with the soap will actually break open that capsule, relatively killing the virus to do that.
0: That's interesting. The
1: the alcohol and the hand sanitizers do the same thing. It just sometimes takes longer and it's hard to get into all those same spots since you're putting it on so quickly.
0: So do both just in case. Do is both that...
1: is fine. Okay. Do both is fine. But I will tell you that the soap and water is probably most effective.
0: Okay, here's myth number six. Um, a, a face mask will protect me. I,
1: ironically, a face mask actually will protect others from you uh, right. is how this really works to do that. As you contact your healthcare professional, if you're having symptoms, They actually, as you call in before you come to the office, may want you to wear a mask or they may meet you and put a mask on you before you come into their facilities. And what they're attempting to do is, again, block that ability for those droplets that may have those infectious particles exiting from you to get out to the rest of the patient. As you breathe in through a mask, some of those could probably still get through them. But more importantly, they're actually going to get into your eyes yeah. and maybe other places where that mask isn't fully uh, covering you. So really, the mask is protecting others from you if you have symptoms.
0: I never thought of that, but it makes all the sense in the world.
1: Keep it close to sure. keep it close to your body, and not correct
0: right.
2: Uh, that's correct. That's interesting. That's awesome.
0: Okay, Chacho, you, you go next.
2: Um, children cannot get the coronavirus. Myth. That,
1: that is a myth. That is absolute fiction. Children can be infected with the coronavirus. What we are seeing in our pediatric population or our children is they do not have the same as symptoms as in adults. It's usually a lot more of a mild form. What we're seeing in the media and what we're seeing across the world of those areas that have had more cases than we've had here in Arizona um, is it, it tends to make the adults more ill. Children still have it, um, again, those milder respiratory illnesses, maybe also some gastrointestinal illnesses with our children, maybe a little bit more of the, of the diarrheal-type illness and things this, as this affects children. We haven't seen any of the severe illnesses in children that we have in the adults. Do we know why? Um, we don't. That will be one area as we you know, see more cases throughout the world, we'll continue to study and learn about. We do not know that today.
2: Another one is coronavirus can be transmitted through the mail. This
1: is an interesting thought um, to this. The virus itself actually can live on different surfaces for different amounts of time. The paper in the mail or those things that come in the mail, if they have not been uh, in the mail for a significant amount of time may harbor some uh, latent virus to do that. So a virus can live for, you know, up to, you know, 36 to 72 hours on a doorknob on a desk and things like that so it is possible that it can be transmitted on paper through there now it's unlikely you know in the various environments as it goes through the system um, unless it's quick that it gets to you that it come from an infected person yeah. to you but it, it, there, there is certainly some merit to that so be careful of your next day mail Be careful of your next day, <laughs> overnight mail, mail
0: too quick. So given that, should you take your shoes off when you get into your house? Can they live can the virus live on your shoes?
1: Certainly anything that could be carrying the virus. Any surface that you can carry from one area to the next could could carry the virus as well. So, yes, I mean, if you've gone into places where you may have contaminated that or picked up droplets, it is important to take off your shoes, you know, as you may enter the house or enter some of those environments if you are concerned with that.
0: That's something I might have to start doing. I do not currently do that, so that's a good tip. Um, okay, the last one. Can pets uh, get coronavirus and spread coronavirus?
1: So, um we, we're, as we learn more and more about the novel coronavirus, the coronavirus we're certainly uh, suffering with in, or treating and seeing patients with today, this does not seem to be hosted within the pets. Um, this does not seem to be transmitted by our, 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 norm, our normal domestic pets, um, our cats, our dogs, our birds, um, to do that. So this particular virus does not appear to transmit in pets.
0: Um, thank you for for that. Those were really interesting. Um, it seems like we 're just at the start of the spread of this unfortunately um, what What do we need to prepare for next?
1: I think you know as we 're going to see increasing areas of this spread of this of this virus. We need to continue to be prepared that we are going to have to isolate ourselves if we feel ill for an extended period of time. We need to be able to expect to have ways that we can communicate with our loved ones that may not be face-to-face as we do things to reduce the risk of transmission of, of the virus. We need to be prepared that we're going to see more and more cases, and this may last for quite some time for us. Um, As people are infected, they start to heal, and our body develops immunity. We'll start to slowly see it tapered off, but we are going to see more and more cases. We're going to probably end up seeing more and more restrictions for a short period of time in the way that we congregate until we're making sure that we decrease the amount of spread of this virus.
0: When do you feel like People will um, feel normal again, or will we ever go back to the way we used to be?
1: I think that's a wonderful question, and time will tell. We are going to be dealing with this for quite some time. You know, um, we, as the, as the global community, as the world, we're going to see this effect for for some time. You know, even as. W- The virus decreases its spread. We're able to understand more and more about it. The effects of people not being able to work, the effects of us not being able to get things that are manufactured in other countries or even within the United States to where it needs to be, we're going to see those effects for many, many months to come.
0: I know you're in close contact with the governor and other leaders and and hospital leaders across Arizona. What is the overall sentiment um, about about the situation. So
1: everyone is certainly concerned and wants to be able to do things that we can communicate to decrease the chance that we're going to get a large surge or a great number of patients all at once. That's why we're very much all supporting, you know, Mayor Gallego in Phoenix, is uh, plan to have people social distance with the closing of the bars, with transitioning the restaurants to drive through or pick up service only, to increase that social distance, so we decrease the chance we're gonna get that peak all at once, which will overwhelm the healthcare system. We as healthcare leaders talk about that, talk about what we're going to do and plans, if that were going to occur, but doing everything that we can communicate to try to prevent that. If it does occur, we're working together with our public health officials, with our emergency preparedness officials to see what we can do and what resources we have to bear.
0: You know, this is really hard for a lot of people and and small business owners, but hopefully that brings some comfort to people knowing that what they're doing, you know, closing down is actually making a big difference.
1: It will, hopefully if we are, more proactive or do these things on the front end, it will decrease the time that we have these problems long-term.
2: Is it frustrating to see some of these places still stay open and large groups of people gather? Because St. Patrick's Day was a good example. There was a couple of bars that people said, I'm gonna live my life, I'm gonna do my thing.
1: It, it really is, you know, our job as healthcare professionals is really to educate folks on those risks. And that does put not only the risk of those people there, but then the risks of the people that you're going to come in contact with for the next two to 14 days is this virus may incubate in there. So it's not only that immediate gratification, but, you know, of, of, of being together in, yeah. in, that, in that environment. But also, you know, think about those effects that you may have spreading this throughout the community. And again, it will just make our ability to get a hold of this draw out longer and longer.
0: What do you think um, some of the doctors inside our medical center right now would want to share with our listeners?
1: So I certainly think our entire clinical care team would want us to understand that, to thank you for heeding these warnings about social distancing doing our best to reduce the risk of transmission by keeping our hands clean, by, you know, wiping down those highly touched surfaces and staying, certainly staying well, staying away and isolate yourself if you're sick to help, you know, help us help you um, stay stay healthy.
0: Absolutely. Dr. White, thank you so much for everything you're doing and taking some time to give us the latest information about coronavirus. Um, you do have a blog that you've written for us. It's on valleywisehealth.org. Uh, we also also have a COVID-19 information page where you can get all of the latest updates about this virus and um, current visitor restrictions, things like that. So uh, we appreciate uh, our listeners and viewers for tuning in, and we will see you again next week. We're going to be talking about the mental health impacts of coronavirus. We hope you enjoyed listening to Valley Well, Valle Salud, a health and wellness information program brought to you by ValleyWise Health and District Medical Group. If you're looking for more information about what you heard today, visit us online at valleywisehealth.org slash bewell. There, you'll find blogs and videos from our health care providers, and you can even book an appointment at a ValleyWise Community Health Center near you. That's valleywisehealth.org slash well. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.